Cheers. Yeah, all right, thanks. Thanks for clapping. Welcome to Ponderland tonight. I'm thinking about food. That's what I'll be pondering. As a child, I was a sort of suspicious eater, really. I'd only eat food what came in dollops, really. Geometrically perfect dollops, like a hamburger, ooh, a sausage, ooh, or a fish finger. <laughs> Didn't like things are a bit tricky, like a hamburger, you know where you stand. A sausage, you know where you stand. Would you like some lasagna? Fuck off. <laughs> Could be anything in that. Ooh, it's like a journey to the centre of the earth. <laughs> How about a fish finger? Oh, yeah, no, I like them. It's got Captain Birdseye on the packet. <laughs> you can trust him, he's an officer. <laughs> I'm quite a snooty man now. I'm a vegetarian, but, like, the being a vegetarian does not give you the right to be snooty or condescending. Never turn it into some sort of intellectual, ideological snob like Clement Freud, Sigmund Freud's nephew. Look at this. He just goes around bothering working-class people about their eating habits. He knows full well what they're going to do with this chicken, and he just decides to be all condescending, offering them different options. Oh, dear, you're not very adventurous with a chicken, are you? What have you got in here? A breast of chicken. Do you know, if you took a breast of chicken and filled it with butter and chopped chives and rolled it around and then covered it in flour and beaten egg and breadcrumbs and deep-fried it. Yes. It would be a very beautiful dish. I think so, yeah. A very beautiful dish. Pick it up, swing it about, squeeze its tits, pinch its ass, <laughs> lie to it, promise it the world. Right? He knows full well that she's only got simple plans for that simple chicken. He puts her under so much pressure that she tells the truth in a stupidly elongated way. I think so, yeah. What are you going to do with it? Well, um, I'm going to take it back and uh, make sandwiches. <laughs> you can't like, include take it back as part of the process of preparing a meal, like it would say in a cookbook. OK, leave the shop. OK. <laughs> Put the food on the table now. All right. Eat it, you idiot! <laughs> Look at Freud's next victim. This is heartbreaking because this woman is properly sweet, lovely lady, and she's got no idea how snooty and stuck up Freud is being. Now, you've just bought some fish. Yes. What are you going to do with it? Well, I'm going to fry it, batter it, and fry it. Chips, peas. And are you going to have a lovely sauce with it? Oh, yes, HP. <laughs> oh, dear. You think that HP is a lovely sauce to you? You snob! You stuck-up pig! And look at this bloke, this misogynistic, rotund, patronising brute of a man, right? Just bullies his wife to economically move around the kitchen. Completely unnecessary. Oh, dear, you're not moving around the kitchen very efficiently. Why is that important? What about the homes of today and tomorrow? Have our designers learned nothing from the mistakes of the past? Or is a new generation of housewives going to use this marvellous, shiny equipment in the same old muddled way. There's no reason why they should. Housewives' needs have been studied and analysed by the scientist. It's possible today to design a kitchen as efficiently as a motor car. Look out! The milk's boiling! There. Not bad, was it? Not bad. It was dreadful. I counted 20 journeys. 20 journeys, Judy! But if that is a journey from sat by him to that pan of milk, his holidays must be shit. <laughs> yes, 20 journeys, carrying things. A total of nearly 100 yards. You see, 
as far as from here to the corner of the street and back. I wonder how many miles a day you walk in this kitchen. <laughs> Why can't you be more like me? I've used one calorie all day. I'm sat here happily sweltering under the weight of my lardy tum. I don't know how uptight he is with her. Oh, sorry, dear, that's not bad, is it? Not bad, it's bloody awful. Here, take a journey to the Burns unit and do it efficiently, you slag. The Second World War is defined by many things. It was the last ideological war, a clash between communism, fascism and democracy. Perhaps more important than that, though, were bananas, really. Oh, them bloody bananas on off, missed them. And this shows you what six years without a banana has done to this young man. He's forgotten how to tackle the darn thing. Really, six years? If someone presented me with an orange after a six-week holiday, I would go, Are you my new dad? Do you love me? I love you! And why, after the war, is this admiral being employed to distribute bananas? <laughs> He's a high-ranking naval officer. Why is he... Right. Get out there and give those people bloody bananas. <laughs> OK, I'll give them bananas. It wasn't like a, a, a piece of fruit. We, we was touching it and moving it around. <laughs> What's going on? You sure these are bananas? You sure there's one corrupt admiral who's painted his penis yellow? <laughs> we were touching it and moving it around. They'll never know it's been six years. Could be anything. Here, a banana. Careful when you pull the skin back. <laughs> You've got to eat healthy. Don't just put any old filth down your body. Don't put too much stuff in you, though, because society is not tolerant of people who are a bit tubby or overweight. Thinness hasn't always been the shape of beauty. The nudes of Renoir and Rubens are downright fat by today's standards. <laughs> Cupid is a chubby little lad and a model with the Venus de Milo statistics would be unemployed. <laughs> Mostly because she hasn't got any arms. <laughs> You're a bit fat, aren't you? Well, I've tried everything to lose weight. I cut my arms off and tried to say... What about that? Cupid was a chubby little lad. That's not the main thing about Cupid. Cupid can fly. It's like a big, big winged angel. Oh, that minotaur's got a pot belly. Pegasus, your ass stinks to high heaven. <laughs> Bullying out of order. So there is a possibility that you will be victimised if you're a bit tubby, so dieting becomes quite relevant, pertinent and important. Don't let it make you go mad, though. This woman, talking about dieting, for no reason at all, reveals a picture of herself that seems a little bit dubious to me. If you're fat at any time, it's no fun. But if you're fat when you're young... I was 18 when that was taken. <laughs> I was 18 when this photo was taken and I was living in Victorian London. <laughs> the Queen Mum. <laughs> That's not her at 18. That's ridiculous. When I was 18, I used to travel back in time. <laughs> As a younger man, I was a little bit chubby and stuff, and I'm still a little bit shy about it. In fact, I've, I've got a picture here of what I was like at 18. Have a look at it. I think it's quite surprising, actually. <laughs> See you there. As 
17-year-old, I was a stout and portly steam engine owner. <laughs> um, actually, I was overweight as a child, and it's uh, certainly no laughing matter. I did look like a cross between Tanita Tikaram and a Gamorrean guard from Star Wars. Here I am, there. I know, there I am in a park in Dagenham looking for rough trade. <laughs> So, like, that's why I don't like people victimising tubby teenagers, right? Because I was one. And listen to this doctor needlessly victimising a fat girl with a story that I've never heard of that she seems to think is a renowned fable stitched into our Jungian unconscious mind. How active are you at the moment? Well, I don't know, guys, friends, you know, we start running about and things like that, you know, we go to discos and... Do a lot of dancing. Do you? And you really do dance? Yeah. Are you good at dancing? <laughs> I suppose so, I don't know. Do you, think you, do you think you dance as vigorously as everybody else? Yeah. Because we have this story that fat girls on a tennis court actually are stationary for 80% of yes. the time, don't they? Yes. And I just wonder. That's not a story! And why is she laughing about the story of smug cow? <laughs> Because they have this story, don't they, about a fat girl on a tennis court who's stationary 80% of the time. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's a good story. Yeah, it's Gulliver's Travels, Pied Piper, fat wheezing girl running after a bus. <laughs> Listen to this survey. I don't know who's been helped by this survey or how it's been conducted. And if it happened, it's disgusting. What have I told you about eating bread? But being lectured to isn't the fat child's only burden. A survey among school children has shown that the fat child is rated lower than anyone else, even a crippled or a blind child, as a popular thing. Okay, we've lined up a fat child, a cripple, and a blind child. Which one do you hate the least? Spit at the one you hate least. Don't spit at all of them! See you after the break. Ponderland on Ponderland tonight. I'm pondering food. As a little boy, when I was about I don't know, that old, I used to eat penguins quite a lot. Penguin biscuits, I really like them. Would eat a whole packet though, a bit obsessed. I like the blue ones best, right? And then after I had the blue ones, then I will move on to the red. And finally, the green and yellow, never really acknowledging that all penguins are the same <laughs> on the inside. And I think there's an important message there for all of us on the subject of racism. <laughs> Underneath the rapper, we're all very much the same. P -p 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 pick up a prejudice, that's what I... <laughs> Look at this old woman, right? This old woman who I think is some sort of refugee from Monty Python, not a normal person. Normal people don't behave like this. She's given some food, new food, exciting food. She enjoys it, then gets told what it is. Oh, God! There's that little bit there. It's very nice. Oh, it's shark. It's what? Shark. <laughs> See that shark there? It's part of that.
of swum up to her. <laughs> Just a slightly bigger fish. <laughs> there you go, madam. Try a little bit of cod. Oh, yeah, that's lovely. I think you should know, madam, that when alive, that cod used to wear a little hat. What? <laughs> and it was gay. <laughs> are going to start eating weird and unusual stuff, try and keep it to yourself. Don't ruin idyllic villages with your bizarre eating habits. And look at these dignified, lovely gentlemen sat around in a country pub talking about cheese, and it's really nice, and you really like it, and oh, what it is to be an Englishman. And then it gets spoiled by a disgusting tramp. Look at him. It should be mild and creamy to the taste. I'll go. Talking about any cheese in this country. Best cheese in the country. Uh, 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 Definitely. Uh, uh, Lovely. Anywhere else nice. in the world. If you can afford it. Who's that? <laughs> yeah! <laughs> um, Bert, we'd let you join our cheese society. Uh, please conduct yourself with decorum. Let's not have any of that balderdash about eating maggots. <laughs> And I will get maggots in that cheese, and when I get a maggot in that cheese to me is perfection. Don't eat maggots! <laughs> it's marrow season soon. We'll have some lovely marrows. I will get those marrows. I'll put maggots in them. I'll eat maggots. Oh, please! Uh, my wife's made some lovely strawberry jam. I will shit into that. <laughs> but I've never actually seen you eat a maggot. I do. I eat maggots. <laughs> Boasting about eating maggots, so that makes you somehow hard or sexy. One bloke tries to be the voice of reason, but even he has got quite a mild stance on maggots, but compared to him, he's like a hard-line anti-maggot person. If I'm going to make you my cheese, I should put it on the, on the side of my plate. I would not eat it. I would... I Mike, would... Yeah. I, I would, would not eat I it. I would love a bloody cheese with... And that is definitely... Half on it, bloody maggots. <laughs> Cheese, half maggots, and jam it in me cheeks. I'm a bloke, really. Uh, if I found a maggot in my cheese, I'd put it to the side of the plate. Ooh, what incredible manners. <laughs> we must come over for tea. I would eat that maggot right off your plate. I'd crush it under the knife and have it as a maggot patty. <laughs> I'd clean my teeth with maggots. An important part of food, an integral part of food, is food packaging. Right? And, like, yes, of course, recycling is necessary. Some people do it in a creative way. I think that's really good. Some people creatively recycle. Like this man who's more than a recycler, really. He's an artist, I think. Not all lunchtime litter ends up in the dust cart. John Watterson, street cleaner, is happily committed to creative recycling. I'd uh, like to make models in lunchtime. <laughs> inspired. Yeah, that's good. So that's the uh, giant sandwich box then <laughs> on top of the fire station. It's not done anything to it. That's not recycling, that's moving. I don't seem to have enough time to make models, but that particular owl which we get for lunch, I'm able to do as I please and that's what pleases me. For instance, a tic-tac box, I thought, would come in useful as a radio monitor system at the back of the fire station for the radio, and I've used the top uh, for visitors for a rubbish bin. So, so, all right, he only does 
does recycling with the bare minimum effort. I've never seen a more perfect version of a tiny sanitary towel disposal unit. <laughs> Where's your man? I've gone in the wrong toilet! Oh my god, it's the naughty bin! <laughs> I'm not supposed to be in here! <laughs> and his laziness is across the board. Look, he's rubbish, lazy, unrecycled flower pots outside his shit, lousy fire station. Milk containers are going to be flower pots in the front of the station and at the corners. Oh, great, yeah. Wow, man. Are they flower pots or are they little milk cartons? Well, judging from the fact you ain't even took the fucking lid off. <laughs> your fire station is badly compiled. You've wasted your lunch hour. But every day, the cleaners go in there and go, throw that shit out. <laughs> this town, right, there's some freaky, messed-up village, right, where the local people somewhere in Dorset and they're really into this kind of whacked-out cheese. They like the cheese so much, they're not prepared to tell outsiders where they got the cheese from. Just share the cheese. Uh, when last do you get hold of this? Because I, I've been uh, around Dorset for several days and I haven't found any. Well, I'd like to be able to tell you. <laughs> as far as I know, I get it from the... Chief mechanic of the RDC. Does he make it? No, no, no. He gets it from the head foreman of the RDC, who's now retired, who gets it from someone else, and he keeps it down in his shed. You fucking liar. Why is it so suspicious? Why is there some Da Vinci Code madness? going on to protect this cheese. And why is he, this bloke, he's just been sent down, it's only a food programme. OK, go down to Dorset, find us some blue vinny cheese. Oh, I'll get your fucking cheese. That's right. That's right. My name's Derek Cooper. These, these oh, yeah. are the yeah. Dorset blue That's vinnies. Right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, where else did they come from? Well, this I don't know. I don't know where they come from. Well, how did they get in your boot? <laughs> where it came from. I don't know about that. I don't know where it came from. I like that bloke. Why is it in your boot? <laughs> but this last bloke, he feels properly pressured because now the investigator has built a chain. He's got a few answers. He's got a few sources. He's got a few spies. He's done some espionage. He's closer to the truth. This bloke can't take the pressure and resorts to a very, very childish lie. We met, um, who was it? Sid last night and he, he had two... Uh, big cheeses, mm -hmm. which he said he got from you. Uh, yeah. Now they tasted very nice. Yeah. Uh, Sid, well, no, Sid is new to me. He probably got them, and uh, maybe another man of my name, but. Uh... <laughs> oh, it could be someone else from my name. Uh, I've got an evil twin brother. He might have escaped from prison. <laughs> Is it made from Christ's sperm? Is it the bloodline of Christ and Mary Magdalene? Is it passed all the way down? Just be honest, if you don't want to share the cheese, just do a fuck off. <laughs> it's a crazy village of lying idiots. I think the most extreme thing you can do with dieting is eating human flesh, probably. And you know that Armin Mivers? Remember Armin Mivers? He put an ad out to attract someone that would allow him to eat them. He must have been charismatic, right? Because not only can he persuade people to come into his life and let him kill them and eat their cock, 
We've done it. That's what he did. It's like, you know, that's an extreme bit of eating, right? He's managed to maintain the friendships he had. And when they go on a fishing holiday, they sort of debate whether or not to bring Armin with them on a tiny, isolated boat. Shall we take him? Shall we take him on the little boat? Let's think about this. I don't think that I'd sail with him again. Because the trust is gone. Not just a little bit, but completely. Yeah, not a little bit, completely. I've completely lost trust in him since he killed that bloke and ate his cock. Ever since that day, I thought, hmm, something about you I don't trust. When it comes to planning a fishing trip, I will think long and hard before including you. Good. That is the right decision. It's a very sensible decision. I don't know if I could find any other sailors to go on a trip and help rehabilitate him. We might just go one more time and see what happens. <laughs> what? No! We decided not to take him because of the cock-eating! Why take on holiday with you on a fishing trip someone who might kill you and eat your cock? Even if there's a slender chance! Uh, I'm in. Mm, yes? <laughs> Where's Gerald? Oh, Gerald, I don't know, I've not seen him. Hmm. How was your meal? Gerald, delicious, I mean delicious. <laughs> but have they got a plan should anything go wrong? Yeah, okay, we're, we're intelligent German men. It's the country of Schopenhauer, of Nietzsche. If anything goes wrong, we will use our minds. We will use plans. We will use philosophy to save us from a cock-eating cannibal. <laughs> With four other men and only him on board, we are stronger and we could keep an eye on him. And worst comes to worst, we could always throw him overboard. Get out! Oh, let's give him one more chance! Give me one more chance! Okay, let's help him back in. I wish I could! He has eaten my arms! Good night!